Dan. Hey, Brett. <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Good, good. Good. Thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this with me today. Totally. Thank you for for having me, and I'm excited. This is my first podcast interview, so excellent. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited that I'm your first podcast interview. You are my my second interview, so we're we're in a similar boat. Well, we're both noobs, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> noobs, noobs to podcasting, not noobs to each other. So, um, for people who are listening, Dan and I have actually known each other since we were in elementary school. We we grew up together, um, and so yeah. So I've had the pleasure of knowing this guy for for quite a few years now, and you know, you're a musician, you're a composer, you're a creative. You're a husband and partner to Caitlin, who you already know I have like an absolute lady crush on. She's just, <laughs> she's fantastic. And I'm hoping yeah. maybe at some point to get her on the podcast as well, because she's, she's a creative in her own right. Um, and now you're a father too. So this is, this is cool. There's a lot going on. Indeed. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely, um, this new year brings a lot of uh, exciting opportunities in my personal and professional life. And um, it's been growing, you know, uh, organically over the past few years um, yeah. to culminate into uh, what the avant cellist uh, <laughs> freelancer you see before you, you, you hear before you. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well, I know that we have, you know, a certain amount of time for today. So is it cool for the sake of the podcast that, that we focus on, you know, talking about your music career, even though, you know, you are, you have so many other things going on, you are so many other things, but is that cool with you? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, oh shoot. I told myself I was going to say awesome less this time. So I got to call <laughs> myself out on that. It's like, I don't know, maybe it's like a nervous tick or something. I just say you awesome. Far worse than that. <laughs> what? You can do far worse than that. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Thanks Dan. I appreciate it. Um, so just, you know, for, for people who are listening, I also just want to share just a little <clears throat> bit of a funny story, a brief funny story. So I, I told you guys that, that Dan and I have known each other since we were in elementary school. It's actually pretty funny because Dan was my very first boyfriend in was it fifth or sixth grade that that uh, we were boyfriend and girlfriend i think sixth. which sixth grade mm -hmm. okay yeah um we exchanged i think like hemp necklaces i think that was the thing back then or something oh yeah definitely that was like the the <laughs> ultimate uh move <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate move to to get the get the relationship was to exchange a hemp necklace i think so with with little grateful dead dancing bear uh beads in it yes Correct. oh oh that's just I can picture it in my head right now those necklaces <laughs> um I don't know if this is just like folklore or or if my mom totally made this up but she tells me that we we both agreed to have a date like a first date and we agreed to go to like a pizza shop but that according to both of our moms, and you'll have to check this out with your mom. I don't know if my mom made this up. We both pretended to be sick before we went or something. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> pretending to be sick. Being nervous as hell. Yeah. Spilling my soda all over you once oh. we take it to uh, Vincenzo's. You did? You spilled your soda all over me? 
I did. I did. You played it really, you played it off really well. And <laughs> feel a lot less uh, anxious about that. So. <laughs> well, you know what? That's not even in my memory. So you must have played it off pretty cool too. Um, or you blocked it because it was so mortifying. Yeah. Such a dramatic <laughs> experience, right? Oh my gosh. Well, I've been known to do quite a few. I mean, I still spill on myself constantly. Um, anyway, I, I, I digress. <laughs> Um, I just want to cover consent. So I know, you know, I'm an introverted extrovert. I don't know how you self-identify, but um, first and foremost, you know, any questions I ask you, you have full right to like say no or tell me to take a hike. And also like if the pacing feels too rapid fire, like I'm somebody that um, sometimes my introverted side, like if people are asking me a bunch of questions, like I can get a little bit shy sometimes or just like even I don't know. Sometimes it can feel a little too much. So I just want to make sure that, that, you know, I get consent out of the way. And also if our pacing goes, you know, too fast, we can always slow it down. How does that sound to you? Yeah, that sounds good. I'd say I'm the opposite in the extroverted introvert. Really? Bed. I forget now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Introvert, I would say I am. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine that many questions would, would breach my my comfort zone when it comes to my professional work and and uh, musical mission in life. So, so yeah, fire away. Excellent, Dan. This is great. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, all right, so let's let's jump in. So so for people and and also just side note, I want to let you know I was listening to so much of your music over the past couple of days, couple of weeks, just getting excited to talk to you. Um, I have so many questions to ask you about like specific songs, but mm-hmm. for people who aren't familiar with your music, can you tell, can you just give us like a brief synopsis of the style of your music and, and, and just, yeah, tell us a little bit about your music. Sure. Um, well, I play the cello. I am a cellist. And um, <clears throat> in recent years, I've uh, found a way to create my cello into a uh, one-man symphony, essentially, using live looping technology. Mm. And uh, I also identify as a percussionist and mm-hmm. like lots of different types of, of uh, percussion and, and drums since I was a little kid. And live looping seemed like a really harmonious way to bring together all of my musical passions and drives into one uh one to succinct outfit yeah yeah it's uh it's it's proven to be um it's it's very intuitive and and spiritually based and um it's proven to work well for uh lots of different types of scenarios and and gigs and often Mm. i'm I'm just that guy in the corner with my eyes closed playing sweet melodies you know (laughs) of anything from fine dining to memorial service and just this afternoon after this interview i'm going to go to to uh lambertville to play a graveside funeral in fact wow and, wow uh, so yeah it's proven to be to be good for for that sort of background vibe as well as uh, i've played lots of you know uh small theaters and festivals and, and lots of different stages of different sizes and it has that that uh crackle and energy to be to be uh really accessible as as like a a focal a musical focal point if that yeah 
Oh, it makes total sense. And and that doesn't surprise me in the least um, about, you know, what you're going to be doing after this interview, because your music is so chock full of emotion, or or at least it is for me when I listen to it. And the looping is unreal. I mean, the looping is incredible how you're able to be such a big sound with using your instrument. And, you know, when you talked about percussion and everything like that, like, Correct me if I'm wrong here, and I might say the wrong terminology, um, but you're using your cello and you play sometimes percussion on your cello. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've uh, learned initially by watching YouTube videos of a few other successful uh, avant cellists. And I don't know if I made up that term or not, but I use it a lot. Often. <laughs> I'll take it, Dan. I'll take it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag it. Hashtag, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when did you first know? So obviously, like, I, I've known you for a long time. Um, but, like, when did you first know that music needed to be a part of your life? I mean, I, I remember you always being a very creative individual. Um, but going back in time, like, how did you know that this was something that needed to be a part of your journey? Um, I guess, it, you know, I, I was big into playing cello classically uh, since I in fourth grade and I was raised playing in lots of different uh, string ensembles and, and uh, youth orchestras and, you know, regional symphony orchestras in New Jersey. Mm. Uh, and then I went to school for visual art for, to college and um, I sort of put the cello down for, for quite a few years. And at one point was really only taking it out for like party tricks, you know, <laughs> play Bach. <laughs> yes i want to go to those parties dan <laughs> yeah it, it works definitely yeah um, but i didn't take music very very seriously for a few years there but i still always loved you know had a deep appreciation for music and going to see live music especially more instrumental sort of jazz fusion style even like you know quote-unquote jam, jam band stuff was mm-hmm. always, always really resonated to me basically improvisational music always really resonated with me mm. um it wasn't until uh 2010 uh shortly after I met Caitlin and we started dating that um I really had a drive to get back into having music be an integral part of my life mm. and um yeah it, it just sort of fortuitously worked out that I checked out Craigslist on the off chance that there was a decent instrument for sale uh, in my area. And I found a beautiful German cello um, with case and bow included for an extremely reasonable price. Apparently I was the first of like hundreds of people to contact this woman. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I went and scooped up that cello and I, I played the same one to this day and I've, you know, amplified it and, and, uh, played with with just countless bands and groups and and ever since uh i've been taking the live the solo live looping thing very seriously since about uh 2015 yeah yeah no way so i i had no idea that you didn't have a cello with you this entire time like you know i i remember you when we were in elementary school you know being musically inclined and and playing music and um then through you know junior high and high school and everything like that. But I didn't know that there was a period of time that like you went without one. 
Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it's true because my my cello actually my my childhood cello, my my first, you know, full size uh quality cello that I, my grandfather gifted me for my bar mitzvah when I was mm. 13. Uh, ended up getting stolen from my from my apartment in Baltimore. What? And I had a friend who got her violin stolen right across the street from me, so there's some sinister instrument thief out there. Oh, oh my gosh, that's just a little bit soul crushing. Yeah, oh my goodness. Really painful at the time, but yeah. You know, I, I wasn't playing that much and so decided to use the insurance money from for that instrument to help, you know, my room and board. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, but in that time, I actually got more into playing uh, percussion, uh, specifically tabla, uh, Indian percussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I have a long love and affinity for Indian classical music, and I've traveled to India a few times, and um, and I feel that uh, studying tabla and the intricacies of that uh, that percussion instrument and those rhythmic variations really helps my my broader musical sense in general. So when I did. Mm. Hello, I, I felt almost renewed with with new vigor and, and inspiration. That's that's amazing. And, you know, it, it's so it's so evident to me when I listen to your music, how much um, there is a cultural influence on your music and um also, and, and you sort of were intuitively sort of reading my mind, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how your love of tra- of travel and also, you know, your um, interest and, and I would assume love of nature, like how that has played a role in your music. And you just spoke to, you know, Tabla, but can you share a little bit more about about that cultural influence on, on your music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I- I've always been influenced by world music, but but um, I decided uh, about ten year, a little over ten years ago, to to uh, travel to India for my first time, uh, just alone. You know, I had a friend there who helped, you know, show me around a little bit. But I just really had this, just this love for the music and and the food and the culture, and and I was really just drawn to that place in particular. Mm pretty life-changing uh journey for me um just to be you know it was my first time really traveling all alone and so many amazing people and and you know I I met this Nepali friend uh, in the mountains while trekking and I ended up spending uh a few weeks with his family in their home in Kathmandu and and he got me into playing Nepali folk percussion the model Mm. and uh and that really opened up a lot of pathways for me and and um and then uh over the years you know i i would go back with with caitlin and um um the last time we we did extensive traveling was in 2015 and we traveled all over southeast asia as well and and uh, i i brought my mini cello with mm. me the one eighth size little cello you know designed for little kids but but I sort of uh navigated the the difference in in the space of notes you know to to be able to to effectively play it and, and make it sound sort of like a, a Indian sarangi or, or a Cambodian tro which are mm. like very folky instruments and I sort of just uh developed this unique style that that really resonated uh with my world music influences for my travels and yeah 
It is so, it is so apparent and so evident to me. Um, and even, you know, having not traveled to some of those places myself, I feel transported, you know, when I'm, when I'm listening to your music to different parts of the world, which is, which is amazing. And, you know, you talked earlier on, you talked a little bit about like emotionally, did you say emotionally provocative or, or you were sharing about, or maybe I've read that in some I of your... That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, can we talk a little bit? So there's so many songs that I've listened to that that I just absolutely love. Um, Rivers, to name one. Um, low low res. Can can we talk a little bit? I mean, so we're talking about cultural influence on music. What about like emotional influence influence on music? Because when I when I personally listen to to is it is it low res? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. that song in particular oh my gosh that song just gets me and I just get I I gotten choked up listening to that song before so I'm so curious to know you know with what you feel comfortable sharing like what's a little bit behind that song yeah um well I the cello just is naturally such a emotionally provocative there's that phrase again (laughs) (laughs) it's the best way I can really describe it I guess Um, yeah and you know it's hard to to not uh play you know it's if you know how to play the instrument it's hard to not play with emotion on the cello really just because it evokes so much of those feels for me you know whenever I play I will usually start just by playing slowly and just you know droning with however the music, uh, wherever the music wants to go, I just sort of let it go. I try not to put too much of, well, I try to put a lot of myself into it, but at the same time, I try. Dan? Hello? All right. Dan? I got all there for a second. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so you're saying you, I, I sort of, you cut out on, you try to put, certain you were like droning hello dan dan yeah i'm here i'm here (laughs) (laughs) um yeah caitlin just called me from illinois and uh oh call her back in a few minutes no problem okay all right (laughs) oh hey caitlin (laughs) um Um, your regards yeah i was saying yeah just i um you know i I feel that that music has um a vibration of its own and it's um it's you know i feel sometimes that i am just the catalyst of of that like i'm just sort of plucking it out of the ether and when Mm. it flows really naturally um it sort of just feels uh just very natural and and uh, effortless to to just tap into that energy that I feel is always there you know whether it's really um light and and happy and and joyful music or or heavy somber tunes you know it depends on my own uh emotional state of mind and framework but you know I, I feel that um in my introverted sense that I'm able to uh really pick up and resonate with a lot of raw emotions when it comes mm. to music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near, you know, in the same 
genre or, or playing field as, as you with music, but like music is something that I really love and I feel very passionate about myself. And it, it, to me, it feels so vulnerable, right? Like, um, and, or it can, I guess it can, maybe it doesn't have to all the time, but like when you, and you've performed at a bunch of different places. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what's coming up next for you, because it sounds like you've got some really cool stuff coming up for you. Um, But do you ever feel like any kind of like nerves or like anticipatory, like pre-show jitters? And, and also like, what's the, where's the weirdest place you've ever played? (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to think about that. There's been quite a few weird places. (laughs) I bet. I bet. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I I have some sort of uh, some form or other of pre-show jitters uh, before every gig I play. It doesn't matter what it is, where it is. Um, Generally, I feel less nervous when I play my own original music through live looping because it's so intuitive and and at this point, not effortless, you know, because there's technical aspects to each piece that need practicing and and uh you know need to be nuanced and and sound good (laughs) but but generally it's a lot easier and and less uh anxiety inducing to just sit down and close my eyes and and deliver my music through live looping than it is to you know for, for pretty much any other type of gig you know and I do play a lot of I have to like learn uh certain covers or or practice you know uh, classical pieces for weddings and, and other things or, or, you know, learn new material with a new group. And that generally uh, is a little more uh, anxiety inducing for me than just being able to play my own music just because mm-hmm. naturally. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as all the different places I've played, um, probably the weirdest one was a private massage session that I got. Really? <laughs> wow really wild um it was a really sweet uh sweet gift this woman had seen me play at a yoga studio live yoga and she hired me as a very special gift to her mother her elderly mother who flew in from the UK and she was giving her she was a professional masseuse and she wanted to give her mother a massage with live cello that is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yes, I could also see how that could, you know, be one of the more unique settings to to be playing and like how intimate, right? Like Yeah, very, you know, I was just in their home and in a very small room and uh yeah, it just felt extremely intimate. Uh just I mean... on the verge of being uncomfortable but not <laughs> Right, right. I mean, and, and, and don't they say that like uncomfortable experiences like this isn't, you know, doing a podcast, starting a podcast like that felt uncomfortable to me. Like I'm hoping to have some growth from this. Like, I think, you know, those kind of uncomfortable experiences propel us forward. Do you, do you agree with that? Definitely. I think it's really important to get out of my comfort zone as much as possible. Yeah. Well, you only way you can, you can grow, I think for sure. Yeah. And you're definitely, you're definitely doing that. Um, I know that, that I'm just trying to be mindful of our time. I just have a few more questions for us before I, before I'll let you go. Cause I know you've got some pressing stuff you have to get back to. Um, yeah. So I know you've got some, some fun stuff coming up for you this, this new year. Um, you know, no tango that the song, no tango, no tango, excuse me. That's on clockwork, right? Yep. And and Rivers. Is that on Bloom or? This is on Bloom. Yep. My first album. 
Okay. Um, those two songs to me, and I think I saw in maybe some of your social media about, um, are you going to be having people dance? Like are, are dancers going to be, are you going to be accompany, accompanying dancers with your music? Uh, I did that this past summer at Whoa. Watershed, actually. Um, um, I accompanied live dance of students from the Pennington School, the, mm. the Pennington Dance Academy, I think it's called. Okay. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was just a really beautiful, unique experience, you know, wow. I performed some of my live looping pieces and... And, uh, and just, it was very uh, improvisational and, and spontaneous. So I just sort of tried to, to match their movements and play things that, uh, you know, rhythmic variations and things that, that I felt would, uh, would accompany what they were doing well. And okay. yeah, that great. That's, that's amazing. Um, I hope at some point, and this is, this is just my opinion, you could take it or leave it. I hope at some point that somebody dances or somebody, you know, does some sort of intuitive dance or choreographed dance to both No Tango as well as Rivers. I, I, when I listen to those two songs, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this needs to be like, Dan needs to be credited. There needs to be some sort of like, dance to these songs because i could just see it i can envision it totally yeah rivers is i mean that's maybe one of my favorite pieces i've i've written uh it's just so organic and flowing and it's always it's always a favorite of many it really uh triggers the emotional depths for sure and no tango is uh is uh i i named it no tango because it's in five time and so mm-hmm. it's uh, impossible to tango to, but it still has <laughs> that sort of like tango feel to it. I yeah, <laughs> it totally does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's sort of like a uh, uh, Dave Brubeck song, um, uh, Unsquare Dance. Oh, which, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, I, I wish I'll have to check that out. Yeah, what was it? was written in uh, uh, either five or seven time and. Uh, so you can't square dance to it, but it has like a square dance feel. That's the <laughs> <perfect> title. <laughs> Excellent. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and back to rivers. I mean, minus the emotional things that it brings up, like for me as a nature lover, um, I could, and, and also like water, water's huge for me. I could just, the visuals of water for me when listening to that song, like, please tell me that was there like a, a specific body of water or was that more uh, an intuitive emotional inspiration for that song um just the idea of rivers and and streams and little tangential like tricklets coming going flowing into the broader river i think the the main baseline of the the long legato you know is, is mm. kind of my mind uh if that does it justice at all <laughs> it totally did I, I was already starting to raft down down that river <laughs> um yeah that that in my mind is sort of like the the broad slow moving river and then all of those all of those little tangential you know harmonic sounds and then like little lines that come in and layer over that are in my mind uh little tributaries that that flow into that river to create this whole like ever flowing uh thing that that is is just like a, a meditative uh state of being mm, mm. 
right on. Excellent. Um, well, I want to talk, can you share a little bit about what's going to be coming up for you? Um, again, I think I saw on, on social media, uh, some, some connections to, uh, is it NPR and, and what else is, what's, did I see that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be doing, I recently, uh, provided musical interludes for, um, for a public radio broadcast, um, of conducted by Randy Cohen, who is a uh, journalist and, and Emmy award-winning writer for the David Letterman show yes. for years. Yes. He, yeah. For years, he had a column in the New York times called the ethicist, which was really uh, popular. And yeah, he, he invited me to, um, to do this uh, interview that he was conducting with Deborah Amos, the uh, Middle East uh, correspondent for NPR at the Princeton Public Library recently. And it was a really cool experience and went over really well. So he invited me to do another one uh, in a couple of weeks in New York. Wow. So I'm doing another one for that. And that's uh, those will be broadcast on Northeast Public Radio uh, out of Albany in like a month after each one. Excellent. Oh my gosh, Dan, congrats. That is so exciting. And, and, and what else, what else is on the docket? Any, any other exciting tidbits that, that you want to mention? Like, are you composing new stuff? I am. I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I just, uh, recorded music for a short film, which Mm. I'm excited about. And, um, it's like a a very mysterious thriller, um, a short film, as I mentioned, and it'll be uh, before it hits the uh, international festival circuit. It's going to be premiered locally uh, here in Lambertville at the Acme Screening Room. So um, I'll be providing live music uh, between films also that day. Oh, that's so rad. Oh, I want to come. I'll have to get Ryan and see. You. Oh, man. Yeah, if you guys. Yeah, that would be great. It's, it's I'm, I'm just really excited about, you know, the the production value and the work that they've put into the film is really amazing it's it's really creepy and and just mysterious and <laughs> filmed and the cello lines that i that that i uh put down for it are just really uh you know very very eerie and provocative and and just really uh n- kind of not super uh akin to the work that i usually do so mm. i had a lot of fun doing it and, I, and i've seen how he's utilized my music in the, in the film so far. And I'm, I'm just amazed. So I can't wait to see that come to fruition. Excellent. I mean, that's, that's putting practice to, to what we just talked about. I mean, those are all good things, right? Like things that maybe are a little bit out of your comfort zone or, or things that maybe you haven't done before, but that just like get you super excited. Um, those yeah. are, yeah, those are all good things. And, and, you know, I, I love a little bit of creepy, so that's, that's yeah. great. <laughs> um, so where, where can people catch your music and, and how can they support your music and, and where can they find you? And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, I have a lot of folks that, that I know personally that I'm, I'm hoping, you know, people are going to start sort of jumping on the bandwagon here and, and people are already starting to give some really great feedback. Um, but yeah, how can people, how can people support you? Um, well, um, I, I will be ideally releasing a new album this year, which I'm really excited about and yes! going to start a, uh, crowdfund, a crowdfunded platform for that soon. Excellent. 
And um, yeah, so sometime in the next few months, I'm planning on maybe, you know, early spring, I'm hoping ideally to have to have that uh, Kickstarter Indiegogo started. And so that that would definitely be a huge help in supporting my music. Uh, and and, uh, you know, listeners can feel free to to follow me on social media at Dan Castellello on Instagram. Yeah, right on. Facebook and um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to to also begin uh, work composing uh, music based on my world travels, uh, different culturally diverse and polyrhythmic music with, with fifth graders at Hopewell Elementary School. Nice. Oh, wow, Dan. And, and you know, I, and I don't want to open up Pandora's box here because I know we're, we're sort of coming towards the end of our time here, but I'm, I'm also curious how, you know, the journey of fatherhood has maybe impacted some of your music and, and how that maybe like matures or I don't know. That's probably, I'll probably have to have you back at some point to talk more. <laughs> no, I'm happy to touch on it. Briefly. Okay. Go for it's it. Definitely been, you know, uh, it's just been an amazing eye opener in so many ways. Um, <clears throat> on one hand, I, I don't have <laughs> quite as much time to hold myself up in the studios and practice because I'm a father. So yeah, yeah. I'm using, I'm, I'm slowly building and, and letting percolate all of the inspiration that, you know, this, this amazing new love that I have inside for my daughter, you know, has given me. And it's really, it's really amazing. And it, it's, it's definitely reflecting in my music just with the just with the the crackle and spontaneity that that I bring to to the music now I think and you know I'm writing a lot of a lot of uh upbeat and and happy and you know very I actually had tinkered with the idea of doing uh an album of instrumental cello lullabies just yes and that's sort of on the back burner for now um but I hope I eventually to get around to doing that as well, because, because I think it's just so, uh, so nice for, for me and and ideally for babies to hear. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so much, I mean, aside from just like the emotional connectivity and, and, you know, amazingness of having music in the household. I mean, there's so much science behind what that can help do for like the developing brain, as you probably know. So right on that's, that's, that's amazing, Dan. That is so yeah. cool. And I bet, again, like I have tons, tons more questions. So I'm hoping maybe at some point we can get you, you know, back down the road um, and, and talk more. But that's that's amazing. And, you know, I can picture you kind of playing music to your daughter. And wow. Yeah, she she definitely responds really well to music. It's amazing. She she dances and has like, out. bobs her head rhythmically to the music whenever... <laughs> I play or sing to her she's I you know I'm I may be biased but I think she's definitely musically inclined yeah and and right and with Caitlin with her art and oh my goodness yeah Uh, a lot of good exposure a lot of good things I can't wait to meet your daughter in person um well, okay, so I know that, that that we're sort of coming to the end of our time here, and and this has been such a fantastic conversation. I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, and you know, I'm I'm so I'm continuing to be more curious about your journey. So, like I said, hopefully we can get you back at some point down the road. But I'd before, oh, good, good. Before, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did spill soda on me, so I mean, a- according to you, so maybe you owe me. I don't know. Um, but we'll <laughs> what's that? 
We'll say that. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, before I let you go, what what is something that scares you? Hmm. <clears throat> um. Good question. Yeah, this is how I'm, I'm going to be closing out my podcast because I'm really curious about these this, these two questions that I'll be asking people. And you can take that as seriously or not seriously as you want. Totally up to you. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, what scares me, do you mean like in my profession or just generally anything at all? In life. So, you know, Hark and Ramble and, and having you on this podcast is just, you know, sharing snippets of, of people's lives and, and some of their journeys and some of their passions. So, so what's, you know, music is obviously a big passion of yours. But what, what in general is something that, that makes you a little scared or fearful? Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that I'm a father, there's just like a million things. <laughs> 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 I'll uh, book another another hour show for us to talk yeah, about that, right? <laughs> but um, I guess you know um, sometimes uh, public speaking at gigs is still a little bit tough for me. To be honest, I love yeah. expressing myself through the music, but when it comes to um, you know this, not not with you, this has been really you know easy and 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 nice to just sort of discuss my my career and and ideas. Yeah. But sometimes I've and I've gotten a whole lot better at speaking at gigs, but but I've recently uh, started doing assembly work for for kids, um, mm. and it's very it's 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 pretty scary to get in front of uh, you know 150 200 fourth graders or whatever and and get up there and keep them consistently engaged. So the the role of being a, a teaching artist. Very mm. for me right now, but I'm trying to work past that and to be eventually a, a really solid teaching artist. Dude, good, good for you. I, I totally feel you on that. I'm somebody that like sometimes like it can be totally hit or miss. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel kind of like comfortable, and I could just kind of like speak off the cuff. And then other times I'm like, wow, this is so like you know like sweat and just yeah, just... did I my throat again? Like <laughs> right, right, and just you know repeating something or maybe even blacking out for a moment but I I don't (laughs) I don't think we're alone in that because I think there's a lot of statistics that show that public speaking is like up there it might even be number one as far as like one of the scariest most vulnerable things I'll have to research that don't quote me but I think it's like a very big thing for a lot of people so I totally feel you on that and I appreciate you naming that especially as like a performer that's yeah Thanks for being honest about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe people just assume like, oh, Dan's comfortable. Like he plays all the time. You know, he's of course he's going to be fine. Like just, you know, talking blah, blah, blah in front of a big group. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, not true. <laughs> <laughs> there we squashed that. Um, yeah. And good for you for continuing to do it. Like, I, I love that. That's great. I think that's how we kind of like overcome. Um and then, okay, so I just asked what scares you. What's something that makes you feel alive? And that will be our, our last question for today. Mm-hmm. Um, being out in nature, really, uh, and, and running. I, I, I've been doing a lot of trail running, which mm. I get back into this new year, taking a little break for the holidays and feeling, feeling all of those sweets and carbs. <laughs> but yep. uh, as All much that for, good food. Uh, yeah, so much. But as much for exercise um, as as for the 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 mental peace and and feeling of well being that it gives me, it just really 
sort of, uh, you know, pushes my inner reset button when I'm able to go out into nature, whether it's for a hike or a jog or, you know, I feel it really influences my, my creativity and my music and just my overall mood. It really makes me happy. So yeah, being, being in nature really makes me happy. Wonderful. Well, Dan, this has been a great conversation. I, again, I appreciate your time. Thanks for, for doing the interview with me here at Hark and Ramble. And I'm just super excited for you for, for what's to come. And, and um, yeah, I'm excited to hear more music and this has been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Brett. Yeah. I had a, I had a great time speaking with you and uh, best of luck. Thank you. Thanks. I think it's great that you're doing this. Thanks. It's really fun. And you know what? It's a great way to connect with with people that, you know, from all over. And and there's a lot of people that, you know, I'm excited to get on the show, but I was super excited to to get you and, and that you were up for it. So thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Cool. All right, Dan, I'll see you soon. And give give my best to your family and, and love to the little one and, and hugs to Caitlin and all that good stuff. And, and all we'll right. talk soon. Will do. Thanks again, Brett. All right. Bye, Dan.